0: Brought to you by Washington Coon Shrimp. This episode of the Salmon Trout Steelheader podcast is called Dealing with Snags by Nick Amato. And I want to give a quick shout out to Washington Coon Shrimp. And of course, they work a lot more places than just Washington. Oregon, California, Alaska, Canada. Not to mention some of the people who have been smart enough to order them over to the Great Lakes have had some phenomenal success for steelhead. And I have caught more steelhead than I deserve on those Washington Coon shrimp, especially in the Lower Columbia River, which is coming up soon. Um, This episode is called Dealing with Snags by Nick Amato. This is actually from a September 2020 issue of the magazine. And I'm going to go ahead and uh, read this article by the editor, Nick Amato. This summer, I helped make a short video with Lucas Holmgren on how to unsnag a spinner. Ooh, that's me. I'm Lucas. We were testing out some meps aglias in the Clackamas River when Lucas hung up. He said, hey, film this. I responded chuckling, film what? You hung up? He then proceeded to explain how to... Get above the lure to hopefully dislodge it. Something that is so obvious to me that I never would have thought to talk about it. The short video was viewed by a lot of people on Facebook and even my neighbors saw it and thought it was really educational. Like most of you, I've spent my entire life snagging up. So it seems like a subject that is worth reviewing and a topic that I'm sure everyone can relate with. We have all had it happen. The day from snag hell. After making a bad cast into a tree, we spend way too many minutes re-rigging only to have the sinker lock into the bottom on the very next cast. Talk about frustrating. This is no fun at all. Years ago, especially when we used to do nothing but drift fish, I'd occasionally see new anglers give up on fishing completely because of the frustration of dealing with snagging up. I take a lot of newbies out fishing and find that snag prevention is a topic that lasts the entire day. Sometimes, I forget just how easy it is to either snag your hook, sinker, or entire line with different things. Even keeping your boat rods from tangling themselves can become a chore if not a total nightmare. There are so many different snag and tangle types, I'll try to break some of my experience down with subheads standard bottom snag if you are fishing with a dry fly or subsurface fly pattern or trolling well above the bottom you probably don't have to worry about snagging maybe that's why some anglers choose to only fish with these methods they're very relaxing i learned to fish in a local creek with a zebco push button set up at a very young age at the time the go to gear was a couple of split shot and a single hook We would either use a red and white bobber or drift our bait through tiny slots and pockets. Sometimes we would hang tiny flatfish plugs between rocks in the few slots there were deeper than a foot. As soon as we tired of fishing we would switch to hot dog chunks to catch crayfish, or crawdads is what we call them. Every once in a while we'd catch a giant pacific salamander which was always a scary and exciting event. We hardly ever cast because the creek was so small, but what did happen on a regular basis was someone tripping over the line or rod while we were laying on rocks in the middle of the creek, dangling our bait and watching for crawdads to come out of hiding. The line would come tight quickly and the little trout hooks would go right into our fingers, the worst kind of snag. This happened often enough that I quickly got used to pulling the hooks out by hand or with pliers. Drift fishing with dad came next. Talk about snagging up. Before I met Bill Herzog, who taught me how to glide through the drift with a slinky, I thought banging bottom was the way to catch steelhead. It really took skill back in the 70s to catch a steelhead drift fishing either a corky, spinning glow, or in my case, glow glows with no bait. I caught my fair share of fish, but never really knew what I was doing. Even so, every once in a while a fish would take mercy on me and hook itself. Persistence really paid off back in those days. Talk about hang-ups! Casting a big chunk of lead in swollen winter waters and not really knowing how to read water at the time was a recipe for a lot of lost rigs. We did use heavy line, but going through that still makes me appreciate fishing some of the newer, less snag-prone methods so getting back to the standard snag this means simply hooking bottom while river fishing it can and will with just about any kind of tackle if you are lucky a few twitches of the rod tip will free you and you're back in business but more often than not your gear gets locked down tight if possible you can wait out and free up your gear but this might scare the fish and it might be dangerous or not possible for whatever reason. The strength of your line and tackle should be considered next. If you're using heavy braid with a 25-pound test leader, you can probably pull your gear loose or at least straighten out the hook. If using light tackle, it might be worth walking way upstream, changing line angles, releasing some line, and then pulling or walking way downstream. and Keep gently tugging to see if you can get loose. Always remember to start with gentle pulls at first so you don't make things worse. Then, when all is lost, hold your reel spool tight, point the rod directly at the snag, and walk backwards until your line breaks. It's a good idea, especially in shallow water, to have your glasses on just in case. I'm sure some of you have seen it all, whipping the rod up and down at all kinds of crazy angles until it snaps. Hanging up in an angler lineup and tangling up everyone, or at least messing up the hole, trying to get unsnagged. Driving a boat upstream through a parade of free drifters and jet boats, trying to unsnag one rod. I'm sure you can fill in the blanks with your own experiences at this point. Tree or Obstacle Snag This is one of my specialties, especially after a full day of making cast after cast. You can tell when someone is getting tired when rigs start hitting the trees. But you don't have to be tired to snag up in the brush on the other side of the river. It just happens. The classic hang-up has many names, but for simplicity's sake, we will call it the stickfish. A perfect stickfish feels like a bite and often a large fish. It takes hard... Slowly starts moving with the current, and then if everything goes just right, it starts to roll, or better yet, ratchet with the current, leading you to believe that it is really a big fish. In big water, this can really get your heart pumping. Again, I'm sure you can all fill in the blanks with your own snag memories. so I'll finish with the most frustrating tree snag. You can see your lure and you really want it back, but for whatever reason, there is no possible way it's going to happen. Talk about frustrating. Boat or raft snag. I'm not talking about the guy or gal who fights a rock for 40 minutes, usually in heavy, deep water and always in the middle of a prime trolling area. No, this type of snag consists of snagging the boat or something in the boat. Hopefully not your fishing partner. It happens. I'm talking about things like letting your sinker hang out the front of the boat while you go through a shallow and powerful rapid in a drift boat. Snap, there goes an expensive rod in a hurry. Hooking the anchor rope is always a fun one. How can your hook find the crack at the edge of the boat floor, fall in never to be seen again until you pull the floor out? Somehow, the gnat often jumps up and grabs your hook. What about those treble hooks tangling up in the other rod's line, usually braid to boot? Wind-up Snag The wind-up snag is a total classic, especially back in the day when using a level wind. You're excited as can be. Load up the rod for the perfect cast, let it rip, and then nothing. I shouldn't say that. You instantly have a world-class backlash that is so far beyond repair that your day is over if you don't have backup gear. You finally look up to see a branch directly above you with your lure or leader dangling, deeply embedded. This will eventually happen to anyone who fishes much. Even if you don't get a huge backlash, it's still frustrating to cast right into an overhanging branch. Fish on, Snags! This, without question, is the worst kind of snag. You've just hooked the largest, at least it could have been, because you'll never know, fish of your life. It takes off with a powerful run, rapidly changes direction, and then all you feel is solid tension. The fish is just wrapped around an underwater obstacle like a boulder, ledge, or worse yet, a logger stump. Now, what do you do? If you were in a boat, you might be able to get to the obstruction and untangle your line sometimes the fish will swim out of it once in a while you can muscle the fish back through it but most of the time the line will eventually snap if it hasn't already the good news is that snags are a big part of the game and learning how to best avoid them is part of the challenge you know i could talk about snags for a long time guess i'm pretty good at it So just a quick little article from Nick Amato, and let me tell you from personal experience, yes, Nick has a way of catching fish, and catching lots of fish, and finding them in difficult water, and he does some incredible things bait-wise and lure-wise, although surprisingly simplistic, he always manages to pull fish out. At the same time, Nick Amato has had his fair share of snags, and even though I've seen him be absolutely deadly on the water, I just want to share a little secret. The first time I fished with Nick, I think his first cast was a snag. So even people like Nick who have been doing it you know, for decades and are extremely adept at catching steelhead and salmon and whatnot, we all deal with it. So don't get too frustrated. Try to keep your line in order. You know, if you hook on the bottom or on a rock, try to walk as far above as you can. Kind of give little tugs. Don't have your drag super tight. And then if it really seems like it's coming out or like it's rather it's not coming out, hold your bail and pull slowly, pointing your line and your rod directly at the snag. Don't put any tension on your rod. Put it all on the line and pull back. But the thing is, is don't just yank back. Tighten up that drag a little bit. Hold the bale a little bit. Pull, pull, pull in a slow, steady motion. And sometimes it comes out. Another thing you can do is you can open up your bale, whether it's a spinning reel or a bait caster, and let a ton of line out. And then close the bale, reel, pull, reel, pull, reel, pull until it comes tight. And in some cases it'll just come out because the fact that your line has bowed beneath it might actually pull it out of a snag. And another thing, if you hang up in a tree and your line is only over it and your lure is kind of swinging beneath it, bring it up to the point where it's not direct to the limb. Bring it where there's a foot or two under and start to swing that thing slowly but surely. And you might be able to swing it in the perfect motion where it comes out from over that tree limb. So there's a lot, a lot of different ways to get it out of a snag. Some cases you're just going to have to pull, point your rod directly at it, pull, break it off, and tie a, a whole new rig on. And that is frustrating. Another thing to keep in mind is that you can go with weaker knots towards your presentation and heavier knots towards, uh, you know, the weight or the bobber or what have you. So, for instance, when I'm bobber fishing, um, I'm going to put my bobber, my bobber stop and my beads with a polymer knot to the weight And then from the weight down to the jig or the coon shrimp, the egg loop, whatever it would be, I will actually just do a clinch knot with a lighter leader. That way, if I do hang up on the bottom and it's just a hook hanging up on the bottom, I can pull, break it off, and the knot that is less strong and the lighter leader will break first. So always remember to do your strongest knots farther up in the chain, And then your less strong knots down at the business end that the fish will bite. But anyway, it's a, you know, an interesting subject. You know, one of the main things, you know, I already said this, but if you snag up, try to walk above, walk as far above as you possibly can. Or if you got a boat, go as far above as you can and gently give tugs. And you might be surprised what will happen. Anyway, this episode of the Salmon Trout Letter Podcast is brought to you by Washington Coon Shrimp. Like I said, I've caught more steelhead than I deserve on these Coon Shrimp. And best believe, I will be using them shortly. May 15th is coming. Just you wait. I got a couple jars waiting for that. And uh, I have supreme confidence in them. Now, there is certain fisheries where I would recommend adding either garlic, anise, shrimp, or squid scent to them. There are some situations where it's absolutely necessary to add some of those scents to them. But often in the lower Columbia, where I will plunk or fish out of a boat with spin glows and coon shrimps, I can just go with the base here, But don't be afraid to add garlic, shrimp, squid, sometimes anise, you know, whatever kind of scent. Uh, tuna oil, for sure. Absolutely tuna oil. I like adding oils to the Washington Coon shrimp, personally, although there's a lot of different ways you can do it. Anyway, thanks again for listening. we got a lot more coming. It is such a pleasure to have you guys on board, and thank you for saying hello on the river. You guys know who you are. My name is Lucas Holmgren. I've been able to meet a bunch of you listeners on the river, and it's been an absolute pleasure. Please continue to say hi. You can follow me on Instagram, Lucas Holmgren, L-U-C-A-S-H-O-L-M-G-R-E-N. Shoot me any ideas that you might have for a podcast. We got more coming.